Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Ashley Dalen. Uh, good morning, Salem Alliance Church family and live stream. My name is Ashley Dalen. I'm a pastor here on staff. I get the honor of being the pastor of Neighborhood Ministries. And what that means is I get the incredible honor of empowering and equipping our church family to demonstrate and declare the gospel in the neighborhoods. I get to oversee some of our ministries to the city. And I just get to be the person who wanders around the city and says, how can the church be a blessing? And it's so fun and I absolutely love it. Today I get the honor of wrapping up our gifts, passions, and story series. And I've enjoyed the emphasis of this series that we are all created to play a unique role in bringing peace to our city. A few years ago, somebody asked me, what do you like about Salem Alliance Church? And the first thing that came out of my mind is I love that we're a church that's always moving. We're moving deeper with Christ in our personal relationship, and we make that an emphasis and a priority. But we're also a people who are moving into the neighborhoods and into the nations with care and creativity. And I love that about our church. I hope that you have been able to engage in this assessment and been encouraged about the ways that you are already living on mission and hopefully maybe come up with some new and creative ideas of what God might be leading you to in the next season. But before we get too far, we better do our memory verse together, right? <laughs> so we have been in Ephesians 2, uh, this whole series. So let's say it together and then you'll have your final quiz. So here we go. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right, this is the real test. This is if you get your sticker on your memorization chart paying attention to every single one of you. So here we go. For we are... Very well. Very <laughs> well done. Well done. I think uh, I'm benevolent and we'll give you each a sticker. So you receive that today. Uh, today we are going to be talking about story. Today is going to be all about story. And my question is, what is your story? When someone asks you that question, what do you say? Do you give them facts about your life? Do you give them the highlight reel? For me, when someone asks me what's my story, that feels like a really daunting question. I oftentimes feel like my story is, is a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> Just kind of messy, tangly, and I don't always really know where to start. I'm gonna throw a picture of myself on the screen and you might go, oh my goodness, can we handle two of you? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but I've come to realize that our stories are a mosaic of moments lived, experiences had, and words spoken. 
I'm gonna say that again. Our stories are a mosaic of moments lived, experiences had, and words spoken. And when we take the time to zoom in on moments of our story, we find moments that shape our view of the world, like this trip I took to Africa where I learned every person has a story and it's better to ask someone their story than to assume their story. We have moments that shape our view of God, the neighbor who showed me kindness, who invited me over to her house for snacks and listened to my day and showed me what Christian love looks like. We have moments that shape our view of ourselves. The teacher who said, you're kind of okay at this speaking thing. And I went, okay. (laughs) And I took it to heart. We have moments of blessing. Marrying my best friend and learning how to love and trust someone like I never knew I could. We have moments of accomplishment, graduating high school and college and feeling celebrated for the work and investment involved. We have moments of gratefulness, getting a job where I got to see students' lives transformed by the power of Christ at conferences and missions trips. We have moments of confusion when family dynamics are shifting and complex and there's no manual for how to be the oldest sibling in a world that throws curveballs. We have moments of anxiety where we are smiling but two days before had an anxiety attack. Lastly, you'll all relate to this one, we have moments of denim. I know everyone can relate to this photo, where the whole family is smiling like a Levi's commercial, but the second the camera is set down, uh, anything but smiles are potentially present. Our stories are a mosaic of moments, and when people see us and interact with us, they're interacting with all of the moments that have shaped us. The final piece of our GPS assessment is a little bit of a heavy lift, I'm going to be honest, because it requires us to journey back and zoom into our moments of our story so that we can journey forward into the stories of those around us. But today, as we'll see in our text, we don't have to do it alone, thank goodness. Today we're going to be with two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. So if you would grab a Bible in the front of the pew or at home or wherever you are, pull out your Bible because I'm not going to put the words on the screen. We're going to look at the whole story so you're going to want to follow along. Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 35. But while you're pulling that up, I want to bring you up to speed on what happens in Luke chapter 23. That feels only right. So Jesus is put on trial. He's crucified and he's put in a tomb. And it's been three days since these events and moments and the disciples are confused. In Luke 24, 1 through 13, we have the gang of Marys who all run to the tomb and they find it empty but they find it filled with two angels who tell them that he has risen. And they run back to tell the other disciples what they have seen, and they think that these ladies are just spitting nonsense, so they go and see for themselves, and indeed they find an empty tomb. And so the question we're asking as we read this narrative in Luke is, well, where is Jesus? Where is he? And that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. 
Follow along with me. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of the men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> So let's zoom into this moment. For these two disciples, we find them walking on the road to Emmaus away from Jerusalem, away from the moment of their pain and their brokenness. And it says that they're discussing all the things that have happened. And the words used there in the, in the original language is this emotional dialogue. As much as they're moving away from it, they can't help but talk about it. And they're having this emotional discussion about what has happened because for them, this is not just a confusing moment, this is a crushing moment. And in verse 21, they say to Jesus, we had hoped, we had hoped. That's the line that we say when the rug has been pulled out beneath us. 
You and me, we have been there. We are the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Maybe our walk has been around Mento Brown Park, but we've said to a trusted confidant at one point or another, I had hoped. 2020 was a really tough year for everyone. Can I just get an amen? Amen. (laughs) It flipped everything upside down. Our jobs looked different. Our community was halted. Every single piece of our life was a little bit unknown, and it was a lot. But for Kyle and I, in our 10 years of marriage, 2020 was the most confusing and breaking year for us. You see, we ended 2019 with this feeling, all these things that God had told us were gonna happen. We just, I remember we were in the car driving back from Portland having this conversation of, God is putting all these things on our heart for the next year. And we were so excited. We felt like God had called us to stay in Salem. And so we were like, this is the year we're gonna buy a house. We're gonna move out of this apartment with our ratatouille friends who visit us every once in a while. We're so excited. And we were gonna go on an amazing trip that we were excited to cross off our bucket list. And we were excited to start our family. And Kyle had just finished a degree and the next step was for him to apply for his a PhD program and that was going to be the next step in his career and we were ready to jump into that and so we came into 2020 being like this is going to be the year of the Dalens we're ready this world can't stop us God's promised these things we're heading in strong and then 2020 quickly flipped everybody's lives upside down but I'm sure you can probably uh, guess from my personality I'm a little bit of an optimist And so as each month went by and the things that we felt like God had told us and the hopes that we had weren't moving forward, I kept going, no big deal. It's just March. God's got plenty of time. No big deal. It's July. We got plenty of time. Second half God, he'll get us in the second half. And then we found ourselves in December. And it was the last week of December and buying a house hadn't happened and our family hadn't grown and our trip was canceled and my husband had felt a shift away from the career that he had been pursuing into the unknown. And we buried my father and we lost a close friend to suicide. And I remember we were sitting in the car driving on I-5 North away from Salem and I said to Kyle, but we had hoped and just tears because we were in our moment of brokenness and confusion and trying to figure out where was God in all of this because 2020 was over and we didn't see him show up. Each of our stories contain moments of brokenness and confusion and I know if I sat with you and said, What are the moments that you zoom in on? You could share with me your moments of, but we had hoped. However, as I come back to the passage, I can't help but notice how Jesus chooses to approach and reveal his presence to the disciples in their moment of brokenness and confusion. The last time they saw Jesus, he was coming off the cross and into the tomb. And so this is a moment where Jesus kind of gets to decide how is he going to like reveal himself. This is kind of fun, I would think. And so he could do a like 
dramatic reveal, like, ta-da, it's me. Look at the nails in my hand, you know. And he kind of does that after this story when he sees the disciples in Jerusalem. He's like, look at the scars, it's really me. Peace be with you. But he doesn't do that here. He could also come alongside them in maybe a little bit of a patronizing way and be like, oh, you sweet disciples. Oh, bless you. Okay, you're going the wrong way. Let's go back to Jerusalem. And don't worry. I know you missed it, but by the time we get there, you'll get it. But he doesn't do that either. What he does is he graciously joins them, walking with them in the direction that they are going, and he gently asks questions. This is the Jesus who has risen from the dead. This is the Jesus where the veil is torn. Death has been defeated. This is the greatest moment in the world's story, and yet what does a resurrected Jesus do? He walks beside two of his precious disciples in their moment and is present with them. If you're wondering what a resurrected Jesus looks like, it looks like this. It is Jesus with us, and it is love. It says that God keeps them from recognizing him. Why? Why does he keep himself a secret, asking them questions that he already knows the answers to? This drives me crazy as an efficiency person. <laughs> this story like pings so low on my efficiency meter, like, let's go, come on, what are you doing? Just show yourself to them. And yet it's obvious to me here that efficiency doesn't seem to be a concern or a priority when it comes to Jesus' disciples. How annoying. <laughs> But Jesus does speak, and his words seem a little harsh, but he's saying words like that of the prophet Jeremiah in chapter five, where Jeremiah says, hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see and have ears but do not hear. The disciples had the facts. They'd memorized the scriptures. Jesus had briefed them on how this was gonna go down, and yet they couldn't see how the facts and events fit together. They couldn't connect the dots on how Jesus could be wounded and healer, how he could be broken and work things for good. And so what does he do? He takes the time to show them. It says he walks them through the scriptures. He reveals how it is all pointing to him, how he is the fulfillment of all of it, how suffering was always going to be his road to resurrection. He meets them in their moment and in step with them, helps them connect the dots of where his presence has been all along. But it isn't until they ask Jesus to stay with them, to eat with them, to commune with them, to gather at the dinner table with them, that Jesus blesses and breaks the bread and his presence is fully revealed. 
Jesus is the one who is keeping the disciples from recognizing him, and Jesus is also the one who chooses the moment of when to fully reveal himself to his disciples. It's as if God and his kindness and sovereignty desires and demands a space of intimacy, closeness, and journeying with as his path to perfect revelation. Jesus is shrouded in mystery here and yet closer than they can see and I think oftentimes closer than we can see. The irony of this story is that the whole time the disciples are in the midst of what they desire most, which is Jesus to be present. And in this narrative, we see the disciples experience confusion, brokenness, clarity, joy, blessing. And in our lives, we experience all those things too. And our breaking and our blessing moments are not at odds with each other, but they're woven together and creating our story. The disciples exclaim, our hearts were burning in the presence of the resurrected Jesus, and it is the flame lit in his presence and the fuel of his revelation that launches the disciples back to Jerusalem with the good news and the good works that were prepared for them long ago. Our 2020 was littered with moments of confusion and brokenness, but luckily for us, 2020 led into 2021. And in 2021, it wasn't long before three of our four hopes, Jesus showed up and revealed his presence, and our moments of confusion were woven together with moments of blessing. But if I'm 100% honest with you, which I just gotta be. There's still one moment from that season that we're still walking in a prolonged moment of confusion, that we haven't seen the moment of blessing overlay. But you know what? We continue to stand on the fact that we know that we get to seek his face, that we get to seek his presence, and that he is on the journey with us and he is close. And isn't that the greatest blessing of all? So how do our stories triangulate with our gifts and our passions in a way that moves us out on mission with God? Here's a couple things that I would say. The first is this. Engage in the GPS assessment. If this is your first time coming in the last four weeks and you're like, what is this thing? It's not too late to join us. Out in the lobby, there's a handout that has step-by-step -step instructions on where to go on the website and how to take the assessment. And I would also just encourage you that if you took the assessment and you were like, ah, I took it, I got results, I don't really know if it connects with me or not, I'm not really sure, and you just kind of felt eh about it, um, that's okay. But I'd highly encourage you to meet with a GPS coach because as we meet with you, I've coached a couple people and it's so fun because we get to also ask you a lot of questions like what season of life are you in? Are you an introvert, extrovert? And all those things come together in just a really beautiful and fun conversation. And so I just encourage you if you've kind of felt iffy about it and you haven't known what's your next step, 
If you type in GPS in the search bar on our website, scroll down, you'll see the opportunity to sign up and meet with a coach, and that's just a fun way to dialogue about your results. The next thing I would say is engage with your story. Set aside space to ask Holy Spirit to help you zoom in on the moments that you need to revisit. And as you revisit those moments, ask Jesus questions like, where were you in this moment? What do you wanna show me? And ask Father God to share his heart for you. I've done this exercise many a times with many moments in my story and every time I get words of affirmation and kindness and love because that's the character of our Father. And so if you hear anything that is shame or condemnation or guilt, I promise you those aren't the words from him because his voice is loving and his presence is there. The last thing I would invite you to do is ask Holy Spirit to reveal themes and patterns in your story that overlay with your gifts and passions to bring peace to this city. See where your gifts, passions have uniquely poised you to move you on mission to certain people or causes. In the story part of the assessment, the second to the last question that it asks you, I find fascinating. And it's this question, I don't have it on the screen, but I'll say it. It says, if God offered to make one meaningful change in the world through your life, what change would you want him to make? Fascinating question. Man, I sat with that for so long. Start there. Ask yourself that question. What comes up in you? I'm gonna invite the band to come back out, but understanding how we are each created to play a unique role in bringing peace to our city can be a journey, but lucky for us, we have a companion who's so eager to join us on it and to guide us along the way. And so I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence your faithfulness, your generosity. And Jesus, we just corporately ask, where are you inviting us to journey back with you so that we can journey forward with you into the stories of those that you have placed around us? We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.